Gary. God loves to speak through his word. He has given us his word to speak to us, and this morning we're going to talk about being shaped by the scriptures. I'm going to be in John 17. Danny's taking some seminary classes, so I thought I might give him a pop quiz this morning, give him five questions about the Bible, see how he does. How long did Cain hate his brother? As long as he was able when was meat first mentioned in the Bible? When Noah took ham into the ark. What do they call pastors in Germany? German shepherds. <laughs> what kind of man was Boaz before he married Ruth? He was ruthless. <laughs> Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson. He brought the house down. All right, so maybe next time, Danny. This morning we're going to talk about uh, Scripture and how important Scripture is in our lives. Uh, Lifeway Research last year found that reading the Bible is the number one predictor for spiritual growth. Number one predictor is reading the Bible. Quite simply, if you read the Bible, you will grow. And so we're going to look at John 17, 17. We're in a series towards the end of a building block series. We're building upon Christ, and the, the building blocks is love God. Love others, make disciples, last week be steadfast in prayer, and this morning be shaped by the scriptures, John 17, 17. Just going to read one verse this morning and, and dive into it. I do want to say a special welcome. My mom and dad are here today. I'm glad to see them. They're from Washington County, and uh, my older sister, uh, Sandra, she's my only sister, but she happens to be my older sister, and so I, you all notice that if you meet her, but uh, my brother-in-law, Barry, we're so glad to have them. My dad has some back problems, so he, he don't get to travel too much, but we're glad to have them today. John 17, 17, <clears throat> Jesus says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Lord, I pray today that we would be set apart by your word, that we'd be shaped by scripture, that we would love your word that we would be regularly in your word, that we would be changed by it, that we would seek your word for guidance and everything that we need. Thank you for it. Thank you for your spirit that helps us to understand it. And uh, we pray that in these next few minutes, you would take your word and accomplish the purposes that you have for each of us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. John 17 is often referred to as the high priestly prayer. Uh, probably the title of your chapter is High Priestly Prayer. And this is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Jesus knew that the cross was coming, and so he wanted to pray for the disciples. He wanted to pray for us. He begins the chapter, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And so Jesus knew that his hour was coming. Uh, you know, Jesus came with the mission. He came to give his life as a ransom, and, and so the cross is before him, and he wants to pray for his disciples. He wants to pray, really, for the future believers as well. And let me just point out a few of the things that Jesus prays for in verse 11. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. 
Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And so here Jesus is praying for his disciples that they would be one. He, he prays for the church, that we would be brothers and sisters, we would be united together, uh, united in love, that we would be a, a group of people that comes together and shows grace and kindness and patience with one another. We would do that together as a family, and then we would go out there in our community and show grace and, and the love of Jesus. Verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, uh, but that you would keep them from the evil one. And so, man, it's just a reminder that we have an enemy. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to lead you astray. And yet Jesus is always interceding for you, praying that, uh, that the Father would keep you from the evil one. And then we come to verse 17, and Jesus just says to the Father, Sanctify them in the truth. Now listen, if you've repented of your sins and put your faith and, and trust in Jesus, then you're saved. And we talk about different aspects of salvation, kind of three aspects. Now, I was saved. That's justification. When I was 16 years old, my sins were forgiven through faith, and I was clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And so I can say that I was saved. I was brought into the family of God. I can also say that I am being saved. And that's sanctification. And that's where God does a work in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Now, that starts when you're saved, and that goes all the way until you meet the Lord. That's where we are right now. We're in the sanctification and then we can say that one day we will be saved, and that's glorification, and we'll see Jesus, and we'll be made like Him, and, and we look forward to that day. Uh, but all three of those are true. Uh, but now, even right now, God wants to work in our lives and make us more like Jesus. And again, that's called sanctification. Uh, Romans eight twenty nine. God is working in us to conform us into the image of His Son. And so that word sanctify means to set apart, uh, to set apart as holy. Uh, to shape us. God wants to shape us, purify us as His disciples, and one of the major means of our sanctification is the Word of God. And so as we think about being shaped by the Scriptures, there are two, two primary concerns this morning. First is why we are shaped by Scripture, and the second is just the ways that we're shaped by Scripture. But let's look at the first one, why we are shaped by Scriptures. And the answer to that is pretty easy, because Jesus said so. Here in verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. And so Jesus is saying Christians are set apart by believing and living according to the truth, the truth that's found in the Word. Uh, some people say, what truth? Well, God's truth. Now, Jesus is clear, your Word is truth. God's Word's truth. And it's interesting, the language here, He didn't say your Word is true. Now, that would be an adjective describing Word. Rather, he used a noun, and he says, your word is truth, aletheia. By using the noun, he's saying that God's word is truth itself. God's word, this, this scripture, is the standard of truth. It's the plumb line, if you will. It's the authority of truth. Church, listen, God's word is so important in our spiritual growth, our, our sanctification. If you want to grow spiritually, you must be in God's word. You really need to be in it every day. Now, if there's a day comes up and you miss it, then just get it back into the next day. But you need to regularly be in God's Word. Joshua uh, said to the people of Israel before they went into the promised land, Joshua 1.8, the book of the law, the, the instructions of God, the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. 
the Word of God. You should meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Listen to, to God's instructions to, uh, to His people in Deuteronomy 6. In verse 6, He says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, you should surround yourselves with the Word of God. You should be in the Word of God. You should meditate upon the Word of God. You shall fill your life with the Word of God. And, and church, we know that we so often, we take this Bible for granted. We throw it around. We leave it at church. We... We uh, neglect it, and yet many people have given their lives to preserve it, to translate it, to distribute it. Church, you realize there's people all over the world today who would be overjoyed to have a copy of God's Word. There, there are churches that have one copy. There, there are churches that take out pages and divide it amongst themselves and, and share God. Listen, in, in January, we were in India, and at the end of our pastor training, we had some people that gave some money to buy Bibles, and we were able to give each pastor eight Bibles for his church. And those pastors stood in line, and they let me give them out. And they'd have the biggest smile when we handed those Bibles, and they would leave there. They were so excited about being able to take the Word of God back to, back to their church. It was, it was so exciting. And so this morning, I think I could give 101 reasons why... Uh, we're shaped by Scripture. Let me just give you three. The first reason is because of the author of Scripture. The author, 2 Timothy 3.16. For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it. All of this Bible has been God-breathed. God is the author. That, that's so important. The, the simple fact that the creator of the world, Almighty God, the one who gives us life and breath and, and everything that we have, the fact that He is the author, that ought to draw us to His holy word. Second reason is all the benefits of the Scriptures. In Scriptures, we get to know the mind and the heart and the will of God. This is for our good, and it's for God's glory. And, and so for the children, it is good for you to obey your parents. And for husbands, it's good for you to love your wives. And for married people, it's good for you not to commit adultery. It's good for you to not let the sun go down on your anger. It's, it's church, it's good for us to love God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. It's, though, all of this is for our good. And, and beyond the, the sanctifying benefits of Scripture, listen, this Bible tells us how we can have eternal life. Now, there are people that are intimidated by the Bible, or some people will say, well, that's a whole lot, preacher. We'll just kind of summarize it. Well, <laughs> if, if we were going to... If we want to outline the Bible, I think the easiest way, the first point would be creation. Genesis 1 and 2 tells us that there was nothing. God spoke and everything came into existence. Genesis 3, we get the fall. Man decided to do it his way instead of God's way, and, and that brought about sin and the fall. But Genesis 3, all the way from Genesis 3 to, to, to the end of Revelation is redemption. It's God providing a way to restore man to God. And then Genesis, uh, Revelation 21 or 22, the last couple chapters would just be recreation. Uh, but the majority of the Bible is telling us about God's plan to redeem us. So majority even of the Old Testament is, is redemption. And some people will say, well, listen, Jesus wasn't even, he wasn't even around in the Old Testament. 
Listen, church, the whole of the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. And so we can go back to Genesis 3.15, and after man fell and God speaks this curse upon Satan, the, the seed of the woman that's going to come and crush the head of, of Satan, that's pointing us to Jesus because he's the one that would do that. And we could just we could walk through the scriptures and the ark that saved Noah and his family. That's that represents Jesus' salvation. Uh, in, in Genesis 22, you remember when Abraham was told to take Isaac and to, to, to sacrifice him? And we know that, that God didn't make Isaac do that, but, but that's pointing us to, to the one son that would come and give his life for us that we would be saved. And Moses, as the deliverer of his people, that, he represents Jesus, uh, the, the sacrificial lamb that was sacrificed on the Day of Atonement, represents Jesus who would come and take away our sins. There's stories in the Old Testament about a prostitute named Rahab. You all know about her and Mobite, uh, a Mobite named Ruth. We sometimes wonder why are they in there, because God is bringing His Son to redeem the world, and He He tells us how His Son is coming, and He happens to be coming through the line of a prostitute and through a foreign Mobite woman. They're in there because they're pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is coming to save us from our sins. Isaiah tells us about a suffering servant who would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we'd be healed. That, that's telling us about Jesus. There are 350 or so prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ in his life and death and burial and resurrection. And then we get to the New Testament we have the Gospels, and they tell us about the life of Jesus, the teachings, the sacrifice. You know, Jesus said this to the religious people in John 5, 39. He says, you search the Scriptures, and they did. They, they would read their Scriptures. You search the Scriptures, for you think in them you have eternal life, and they are they which testify to me. Jesus says, you're looking to God's Word, and you don't, you're missing out on the fact that they are testifying of Jesus. And so here's the point. The Bible points us to Jesus and his life, death, burial, and resurrection, and his great salvation, which he accomplished on our behalf. He, he accomplished it for our benefit. Now listen to what Jesus says in John 6, 40. He says, this is the will of the Father. Now if Jesus said this is the will of the Father, we'd all say, well, what is the will of the Father? Well, he tells us that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. The will of the Father is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes on him will have eternal life. And so isn't it neat that God's written a book about his precious Son, and it's all for our benefit so that we can know how to be saved and we can know how to grow in Christ's likeness? Listen, our greatest need is a Savior, and the Bible is all about Jesus Christ, our perfect Savior. Someone has written... I find my Lord in the Bible wherever I chance to look. He is the theme of the Bible. He is the center and heart of the book. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the Lily Fair. Whenever I open my Bible, the Lord of the book is there. He's at the book's beginning, gave the earth its form. He is the Ark of Shelter, there in the brunt of the storm, the burning bush of the desert, the budding of Aaron's rod. Wherever I look in the Bible, I see the Son of God, the ram upon Mount Moriah, the ladder from earth to sky, the scarlet cord in the window, and the soap that lifted high, the split in the rock in the desert, the shepherd with staff and crook, the face of my Lord I discover whenever I open the book. He is the seed of the woman, 
the Savior virgin born. He is the Son of David, whom men rejected and scorned. His garments of grace and beauty, the stately Aaron's deck. He is the priest forever. He is Melchizedek, Lord of eternal glory. When John the Apostle saw, light of the golden city, lamb without spot or flaw, bridegroom coming at midnight, for whom the virgins look. Wherever I go in my Bible, I find the Lord of the book. This Bible points us to Christ. And through Him, and through Him alone, we have eternal life. That's the benefits. Let me tell you about the characteristics of the Bible. And there, there are many. I just want to mention a few. First of all, it's true. Jesus says it so clearly. Your word is truth. And that settles it. Now people say, well, it might be true for you, but it doesn't mean it's true for me. Listen, Jesus said it's true. And so you don't get a vote on it. It's true. A second characteristic is perfect. It's hard to beat that word. There's two words that we use to, to describe the perfection of the Scriptures, uh, inerrant and infallible. Infallible means uh, the Bible as a whole, and as a whole, it doesn't miss anything. It doesn't, um, it doesn't make any mistakes. Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete. It's, it's everything we need. It's total. And the other word is inerrant. Uh, inerrant has to do with individual parts. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is true, or every word of God is pure. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. It, it's all going to come to pass. Jesus is saying that this word is all true and perfect and it's not ever going to come up short and it doesn't, nothing's going to fall through. And yet, you know, sadly, a majority of the seminaries in the world do not believe that this is God's word without error. Isn't that sad? I'm thankful that we're Southern Baptists and I'm thankful that about 30 years ago that we took a stand for the inerrancy of the word of God. We believe the Bible. We stand upon the Bible. I, listen, church, I believe every word of the Bible. and I believe it is profitable for our instructions in righteousness. And listen, I don't know about you. I want to commit my life to proclaiming the truths of this Bible. And listen, I hope every teacher that ever teaches at this church, I hope that they believe in the inerrant, infallible, eternal word of God. And we ought not let them teach if they don't. Amen? Somebody ought to amen that. Not only is it true and perfect, it's authoritative. Authoritative. Listen to Isaiah 1-2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Listen, when God speaks, you better listen. It's authoritative. Listen, the truth is, it doesn't matter what my opinion is, and you can amen that. It doesn't matter what the, the preacher thinks or what he thinks God should have done. or it's, That's not important. What is important is what God says in His Word. Listen, for that matter of fact, it doesn't matter what the church constitution or the tradition of man says. The Bible is our authority because our Creator God has spoken, and He has the final word. Amen? Yes, He is the authority. Some of you like that part, didn't you? You know, there's some people that got the Constitution memorized instead of the Word of God. That's a problem. What you need is the Word. Fourth characteristic is the Scriptures are sufficient. Sufficient. Here's what Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 15, and, from, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, 
which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, the scriptures are sufficient to save you. Sufficient for that. You, you are able to look to scriptures and know how to be saved. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so, church, it's, it's sufficient. It's more sufficient than some of the self-help books that people buy. This is what we need. This is what God has. Listen, He created us and knows us, and He has given us this for our instructions. And if I had time to, to share, I would, I would share with you all the ways that this Bible will bring growth and guidance and happiness and victory and hope and peace and everything that you need in life. It will come as God uses His Word. It's sufficient. We just got to have the right understanding of the sufficiency of the Word of God. We don't need all the other stuff. Peter said his divine nature has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's through the Word and through the Spirit. And we have those. A sixth characteristic is, or a fifth one, is Scriptures are effective. Effective. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return void but shall accomplish what I please. God's word is effective. You know, sometimes we hear testimonies of, of Gideons when they come and share a testimony about uh, someone who picked up a Bible in a, in a hotel room and they read it and God saved them. That's the power of the word. It's effective. When God speaks a word, he brings it to pass. And so we have a high view of the word of God and getting the word of God out there. A sixth characteristic is Scripture is eternal. Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand for Everything else is going to pass away, but this Word will stand forever. And I think related to eternal, we, we could use the word determinative. What I mean by that is your response to the Word of God is determinative of your eternal destiny. That's a pretty strong claim, isn't it? 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. That's talking about a relationship with the Son. And the Bible says he who has the Son has eternal life, and he who doesn't have the Son does not have life. And so the Bible is determinative in ascertaining one's eternal destiny. And so Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And so we talked about the, the why. Let's talk about the ways that were shaped by Scripture. And there's so much that needs to be said here. Let me try to just group these together for time's sake. If we want to be shaped by the Word, we've got to read and study the Scriptures. USA Today poll, I hate reading this. Only 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. Maybe that's the reason we're in the shape we're in, you reckon? More than half read it less than once a month or never. Barna Research Survey among those claiming to be born again, that's us, only 18%, less than 2 in 10, read the Bible every day. 23% never read the Word of God. We wonder why we're not growing. We've we got to be in the Word. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, 
15, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you're going to rightly divide God's word, if you're going to tell someone what this says, you've got to study it. Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let God's word dwell in you richly. The only way is to be in the word. Why don't we study the Bible more? The late R.C. Sproul, he answered that question. Here's what he said. Here then is the real problem in our, of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's Word, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull or boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or lack of passion. Our problem is that we're lazy. And that, man, that gets in my business, doesn't it? We're lazy. Listen, if we're going to be shaped by the Word, we've got to read and study the Word. I want to encourage you in that. I, some people at the last service come down and just said, I want to, man, we neglect it. Many people, when they left, they, listen, I'm not trying to guilt you this morning. I want to encourage you to get in the Word of God. It'll change you. Secondly, we must believe and obey the Scriptures. This is so important. Jesus said in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. So he hears my word and, and believes has eternal life and doesn't come into judgment. Paul said to the Thessalonians, I'm so thankful that when I preached to you the word of God, you received it as it is, the word of God. And so this is truth, and we must believe it and receive it as such. And so we, we believe and we, then we obey it. Well, what a shame it would be for us to say we believe something and not obey it. Amen? Yeah. Jesus said, Jesus, listen to what Jesus said in John 8, 31. If you abide in my word... If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. He didn't say if you walked an aisle and said, no, he said if you abide in my word. 1 John 2, 6, if you say you abide in Christ, you ought to walk in the way that he walked. Well, how did Jesus walk? In perfect obedience to the word of God. James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. James 1, 22, be doers. Don't just... Don't just read it for wisdom, but be doers of the Word. And so for Scriptures to have their full effect, I, next we must love and proclaim them. Love and proclaim them. David in, in Psalm 119, uh, what a great chapter. He says, oh, how I love thy instructions, Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love thy instructions, O Lord. And throughout Psalm 119, we wonder why it's so long. Well, David just is delighting in the, the instructions of God. He says, how I delight in them. They're life to me. They're so good to me. Therefore, my servant loves it. Psalm 119, verse 140. Let me ask you this morning. Do you love the Word of God? Hey, listen, if you love the Word of God, then you, you'll be careful to defend it. Jude 3 says that we should earnestly contend for the faith. The faith once for all delivered to the saints, we ought to contend for it. We ought to engage ourselves in the, Bible, the battle for the Bible. And listen, I, you know, there's college students, they can, fail a, they can fail an assignment just because they reference the Bible. We ought not stand for that. Amen? You know, there are preachers who stand in the pulpit and never open the Bible. My advice to you is don't listen to any of them because they ain't got nothing to say. Listen, what God says is what matters. We need the Word of God. 
The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And so let's stand on this book, the very word of God. And, and finally, church, let's not just read and study and believe and obey and love it, but let's proclaim the word of God. Listen, do you, do you proclaim the word of God? Do you, do you teach this to your children? Do you tell the lost that they need a Savior? I mean, the truth that's taught throughout this Bible is that man is sinful, and God is holy, and so we're separated from God, and on our own, we're, we're hopelessly lost and separated from God. But the good news, we, we don't have to stop there, do we? God intervened by sending His eternal Son, and Jesus came, and He took our sins. He took upon Himself our sins, and because of what Jesus did on the cross, Wretched sinners like you and I, we can call out to Jesus and be saved. We, we didn't make that up, church. We got that from the Word of God. And so do you proclaim the truths of Scriptures? Do you tell people that there's this one way to heaven? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Do you, do you believe it? And don't you think you ought to tell somebody? Do you warn people? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. We ought to care enough to, to tell them that. And so if you faithfully read and study and believe and obey the Word, and you love the Word, and if you're faithfully proclaiming the Word, listen, I want to promise you, you will be growing in your faith. If you're in the Word, you're reading it, studying it, believing it, obeying it, love it, and are sharing it, I'm going to tell you, you'll be growing in your faith. You will be shaped by the Scriptures. And listen, you'll look more and more like Jesus. And so this morning, as we prepare to close, I want you to understand something. These, these Scriptures are a sort of love letter from God. He wants us to know Him. Anybody ever get a love letter? Anybody remember that? Some of you, I see a few ladies smiling out there. You remember getting that love letter and you couldn't wait to open it up? Listen, this is God's love letter to you that you can know Him. Know how much He loves you. You can know how to be saved in here. You can know how to grow in Christ's likeness. Uh, you can believe on Him and, and have eternal life. And then we can grow in our faith and be set apart as holy to the Lord. Listen, let me just ask you this. Let me end with this. How are you treating God's precious Word? How are you treating God's precious word? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I want to read and study, believe, obey, love your word. I want your word to have its full effect on my life. I want to know Jesus more intimately. Father, he came from heaven to save me, and I, I want to know more about him. And so forgive me for the times where I've neglected your word. And Lord, I just convicted this morning the time I waste, sometimes on social media. I grab my phone instead of your word. Lord, forgive us as a church for neglecting your word. Make us a, a people who love your word, who cherish it, who read and study, who believe it, who obey it. Help us to be doers of your word and 
Father, help us not to stop there. Help us to be bold to proclaim your word. And Father, your word's gone out this morning. We believe Isaiah. It goes out, it accomplishes its purposes. And Father, you know exactly the purposes that you want to accomplish this morning. Maybe for some, you, you want to save this morning. Maybe this morning they understand that they're separated from you. They're in their sin. But Jesus came to, to pay the penalty for their sins. Father, we pray this morning through the preaching and the hearing of your word that some would, would step out of darkness and be saved. May they, hear you, may they hear you call their name this morning and be saved. And there are others this morning, Lord, they just need to discipline themselves for the purpose of godliness. They need to make some changes in their life and get this discipline of Bible reading and study and meditating. Lord, I pray that you would graciously call some back to your word this morning. And they'll delight in it. And God, you'll, you'll change them. So good to us. Work in this invitation, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me this morning, and we have the Lord's Supper set up if you'd like to partake of that. Uh, this morning, some came and just said, I want to, I need God's help. I'm not disciplined. One lady said, I'm lazy. I said, Amen. Maybe you just want to come and say, God, help me to have the discipline to be in your word. And listen, we don't worry about the past. You're invited to get in the Word now. And so uh, you respond if you're lost this morning and you want to know this Jesus that I've been talking about. Let it be my privilege to talk to you about Him. So you respond this morning as the Lord leads.